My name is Joel Arndt. I am the Wealthy Barista. This is my audio journal mapping out the process from full-time barista to financially independent entrepreneur, father, husband. It's a raw take on every painful and joyful step to financial independence. There's conversations with others who are in the process, some who have achieved financial independence and a lot of personal reflection on the struggles and ideas I have along the way. There are a lot of excellent books, podcasts, YouTube channels about how to make money, but there's very little detail on the process. So here's the process. Reading um, Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss, finally. The book's not all that new. And Tim Ferriss goes, he's, he's talking about challenging assumptions about how uh, our lives need to be designed and what it actually takes to be wealthy and what being wealthy actually means. There are some things that I am reading in there that I have always thought but never been able to put into words or never really had to put into words. There are some things that I've communicated but not been able to explain properly or and not really understand why. I just knew it. It's just like, this is just what I want or what I don't want. And then there's some things that I do habits I have that um, he's talking about as well. One of the things that I just that really caught me today he's talking about fear, how to deal with fear. And I'm sure everybody I know everybody deals with fear, but it's so, I, you know, the Bible college, the ministry school I went to was actually very entrepreneurial and all about confronting fear and doing and overcoming it. So I came out of that into everyday work life where people are just kind of comfortable with like accepting fear, their fear and, and like working around it and just finding the comfortable zone, a comfort zone and like staying there as much as possible. And they saw risk, they saw bold, you know, being bold or risk. Something that they would define as bold or risky would have, and, and like, but acceptable acceptable risk would have been, oh, let's take, you know, a month off from work, and, but make sure, you know, like we, anyway, it just like slim stuff. I, I, you know, I don't even know if many people would have taken a month off from work. I digress. He talks about defining, Tim Ferriss talks about defining your fear before you can overcome it and thinking about worst case scenarios to rob that fear of any power. And I've experienced that on a, on, on, you know, on a very personal level, especially in real estate. 
I remember when the Holton deal was going down, going down as if it was something big, crazy. I this when we were in the middle of negotiation and or actually no negotiation had ended. We're try, I'm trying to get the contract extension from the seller and it wasn't like the seller was really lagging and resistant and I was getting really antsy and I was, was developing a lot of anxiety because I wasn't sure if this deal was going to go through. And I was worried about litigation, worried about being sued, worried um, that I didn't have an out, that I'd be on the hook. And so ultimately, and you know, and, it, and it, it, it was like, if this doesn't, it was my first deal. And it was like, if this doesn't succeed, like what is all this, these courses that I've paid for, what, are they, what have they been for? They'll have been wasted. Like this obviously, you know, it just, it won't, obviously doesn't work, but it just, it didn't work. And you know, if I can't make it work this time, you know, anyway, those kind of thoughts. And sometimes, honestly, like how I beat that was simply just, a, well, it was a mantra f um, from uh, Eric Thomas. I can, I will, I must. So I can close this deal. I will close this deal. I must close this deal. I would literally repeat that to myself over and over and over again sometimes while I was on deliveries and just kind of brute force, like motivate my way through the anxiety. But there was this one time, I forget where I was going. I was in my, in my car and I was pulling out home and that anxiety hit hard it's like okay worst case scenario this all falls apart I get sued and I'm on the hook for hundreds of thousands of dollars what now well I still have my job I maybe we have to move into it more expensive place, you know, take a, a hit that way, um, just take, take a squeeze into a two-bedroom mid-rise apartment, whatever, I don't know, like, because I just mapped it out, I mapped out the worst case scenario that I could think of, you know, I, I got this debt now because I paid into expensive private real estate investing courses, you know, it, what else do I do, and you know, at that point, I'd actually already paid for a investing conference, a separate investing conference. The the um, symposium, the one symposium with the real estate coaching company that I signed up with was coming up. Um, there was just like I was just worried that I was, that this whole world I was going to lose this whole world that I was just starting to fall in love with and didn't step in. But mapping out the worst case scenario robbed it, and what I could do about it robbed it of the, of all power. And actually, what happened was like I came to the like so after mapping out the worst case scenario and my options, if that occurred, I came to the conclusion that for better or worse, I'm in this. This is what I want to do. And. After that point, there's very little anxiety. I mean, there are certain moments, like, like in, in, in certain moments of communication with the seller or with the invest, the investor that was I was assigning the, the pro property to, 
that you know that brought anxiety or stuff but you know it, that's that's a little easier to, for me to deal with that's in the moment that's dynamic it's there's motion to it so but that static weighty anxiety that binds up your gut never really returned after fully defining my fear the worst case scenario I literally saying it out loud I was talking myself through it mapping out my recovery and then determining that for better or for worse I was in this and so he's Tim Ferriss is talking about defining defining your fear and he talks about and then he goes on to this is something I didn't do but this is what he did is like okay now what what could what's what's the most probable outcome don't not even best case scenario but what's the most what's the like most realistic outcome this risk that you want to take you are you are extremely afraid of the worst case scenario now you've just defined your fear and robbed it of its power okay what's the what's the most realistic outcome map it out Right now, if you were to weigh out the permanent impact, the permanent negative impact of the worst case scenario, where is it going to be? After you've just mapped out how you um, how you recover from that worst case scenario, on a scale of one to ten, how how much does it actually negative, negatively impact your life? Does it impact your ability to earn money? Does it impact? Does it destroy a relationship? Does it um, does it impact your health like immediately, or you know, is it impacting it over long term? But in that moment, taking that risk, taking that step, does it impact your health? Is it permanent? How permanent are those? Is that impact too? So, do you have to? Is it going to take you a year to recover? Two years to recover? Ten? Five years? Ten years? You know. So on a scale from one to ten, you know, like I'm looking and I'm looking at this. I'm, sorry, I'm looking back at this, and I, I didn't weigh it out like that. And I'm looking back on that, and like honestly, like probably a five. The permanence impact. I mean, it would have really sucked. It would have been a mental blow, but it, it's a five. Like, and that's probably being generous in terms of the impact that it, it could have. And then Tim says, "Okay, now map out the the." most probable outcome. Map out the most likely outcome. How much benefit is there and how permanent is that? Is, you know, and a lot of the times with these risks, they're going to change our lives. Okay. So another example, and again, I didn't weigh this out at all. And in fact, there was very little way out. It was, it was much more instinctual and gut decision. But when I actually took the step to invest, to, to like invest in my real estate education, initially, uh, you know, huge fear barrier there, but I just, I saw the potential impact and on my life. I saw how much it could impact and losing that, losing the opportunity at that impact was more devastating than losing the money that I'd be putting into it. And so, and that's what Tim Ferriss was saying is like, okay, the best possible or the most probable outcome doesn't have to be the best possible scenario but the most probable outcome what what does it look like and what's the permanence of that and how much is that going to change your life 
on a scale of one to 10. So this deal, how much was it changing my life? Now, honestly, this did probably a seven, maybe an eight if I'm being generous. Because it wasn't, it wasn't a huge payout, but the experience was excellent. The experience was bar none. It's my first deal, like you can't beat that. So I mean, really, you know, it's proof of concept. So probably you know, 9.9, .9, if not a 10, actually, if I'm being, the monetary impact wasn't much, but the experiential impact was huge of this first deal. The 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 impact of even getting you know investing in the real estate education was huge. Like it's ch it literally changed my life. And so what? I'm not going to make a decision based on a five out of ten negative impact weight weight versus a nine out of ten benefit impact, right? So it's just like that. I'm not communicating that as clearly as he does in the book, but it's like the, the, the scope of benefit so far outweighs the risk of loss. And once you realize that, and that's what happened, that's, I, didn't, I didn't verbalize it that way, but that's really what was happening when I was verbalizing the worst case scenario. I realized that this isn't all that bad. The potential benefits are actually severely outweigh the potential the t potential damage uh, I need to make this happen and if it doesn't the world's not over and so he's putting that whole process that I've gone through several times in my life especially in the last year and I'm like that's it like that's and I'm, I do that it's actually become like a part of how I process a lot of major decisions now it's like okay what am i actually afraid of what's holding me back here it's one of the major benefits of driving delivering coffees i'm in this i'm in this van where i am right now i'm in this van for you know hours at least you know five maybe six hours a week uh we'll say four maybe five hours a week I do a lot of listening, but there are moments where there's just so much to process. I literally just talk my through, talk myself through stuff, and I, I'm verbalizing a, a lot of the stuff that I'm like hung up on that, I, and I don't know, I don't know why. And then I verbalize it, and I at least come to an understanding of why I'm hung up on it. And, or if it is a fear, I can actually dismantle that fear. Or if I'm reacting in a certain way that isn't necessarily fear, but I'm I'm reacting in a specific way to a situation. I can actually pause and, and look at it or take time to look at it and say, why am I reacting like that? Why do I do this? And it arms me with understanding, a base level understanding, so that I can now begin to map out my recovery or I can map out a solution or next steps anyway. What's the next step? So when I know where I am, I at least can tell where my next step is. The other thing that um, the four-hour work week starts off with, Tim talks about how much of a trap typical retirement plan is and I've always said that it's like I'm not interested in traditional retirement like yeah I want wealth I want I want to be financially independent 
but I'm not waiting until I'm 65. Plus, I don't have a career that's going to provide that for me at 65. Anyway, but I am not waiting until I am 65 for financial independence. I'm not going to work work a job that I maybe moderately love, or that's not even a thing that I moderate. I can I can tolerate. I'm not going to work a job that I can maybe tolerate in the hopes that by the time I'm 65, I have enough money to at least subsist. So I've actually, I've, I've said that many times to, to different people and, and to have it written out was like, oh man, and uh, you know, 10 years ago, <laughs> 10, 11 years ago, I really needed to, to read this book a long time ago, but um, I was aware of it back in 2014, I, I really should have picked it up then. It's actually one that I cannot work through very fast. I have to, I'll, I'll read a line and have to stop and just process it. It's an easy read, he's a great writer. Very engaging, very energetic. I'll read through a couple paragraphs and just put it down and think about them for a minute. And then reread some, there have been some subsections I've had to reread a couple times. Because he's, it's speaking, I guess it's just speaking to where I'm at. A lot of the frustrations that I have and the hope for what I have, like where I want to be, is just expressed very clearly in this book. So I'm excited to, like it's just it's giving me a lot of energy and it's, and it's confirming a lot of what I already internally believe and it's challenging a lot of the stuff that I've just settled into accepting, a lot of the beliefs I've settled into accepting over the past few years. I am definitely ready to just start taking like small steps in pursuit of you know this idea of the four-hour work week. It's not about necessarily working less. It's just about working, uh, doing more meaningful work, seeing more meaningful results, which is huge for me right now. That is, like, when I read that, that was one of the things I had to read over and over and over again. It's just, it's not, it's really not about the time you put in. Like, so what? You put in 70 hours this week. Big whoop. Honestly. Where's the meaning in your life? And that's where I'm at. And it's like, and that's actually why, why I left Rent Perks. It's like, Okay, I was putting in time. I could have put in more time. But where's the meaning? Uh, nope. Nuh-uh. So. It's in our, the four hour work week is really intercepting me in this process of defining what meaningful work looks like for me and how how I want to cultivate that and, and, and actually start doing meaningful work rather than just working a job. You know, 
what it's that whole cliche uh, I'm, I am working to live right now uh, or how does that go man I even butchered that live to work yeah, don't live to work work to live is that how it goes I'm, whatever I am done with meaningless work that's the point of it that's a point I came to months ago this book is intercepting me in the process of defining what meaningful work uh, is for myself and I'm super excited to see where it goes and there we go if you have any questions any beefs any ideas about what I just talked about you can email me joel at joelarnt.ca my last name is spelled a-r-n-d-t if you found this frustrating mildly interesting intriguing inspiring enlightening boring even let me know too always interested you can find me on facebook on instagram on linkedin if you'd like to read more of what I write, joelarnt.ca. Embrace the process. You're not alone.